where Shelby said, I'm so excited my best friend is living with me forever. And Sid said, well, just until my parents get back from their archaeological dig in Peru. And Shelby said, but that will be about three years unless they get entombed. Then it will be forever. Hey everybody, welcome to this teenage time travel powered episode of Super Sci-Fi Party, the only podcast where we talk exclusively about fun science fiction, movies, TV shows, and more. No post-apocalyptic downer sci-fi allowed. My name is Todd Kinsley, and with me as always is my scientist-bugging, best-friend-hugging co-host and brother Scott Kinsley. How are you doing today, Scott? Doing well, doing well. Today we're talking about Disney's teenage time travel series, Best Friends Whenever, in the episode titled A Time to Travel, which is the first episode of the series. Best Friends Whenever debuted on the Disney Channel on June 26th, 2015. Scott, what was competing with Best Friends Whenever back in 2015? From what I could find, it was up against 2020, Blue Bloods, and Dateline NBC. Blue Bloods? Ew, that would be uh, Magnum P.I. Yes. Okay, no. (laughs) After he moves back to the States and becomes a police chief and has a giant family. That's exactly right. The Further Adventures of Thomas Magnum. (laughs) If only. And Dateline, that's always a scary show. That should be on the Horror Network. Yeah, depending on what they were showing on 2020, that could be the same. Terrifying. Best Friends Whenever is the story of teenagers Sid and Shelby, who were involved in a lab accident when visiting their teenage scientist friend, Barry. Sid and Shelby discover that the accident has given them the ability to travel through time whenever they hug each other and think about the time to which they want to travel. Well, how is that original? I mean, we can do that. (laughs) Remember that time we hugged and thought about prehistoric times? Oh, yeah. Got right back there to the Jurassic. Then we were picking up dinosaur dung. Well, someone had to. It was quite messy. Some people call it sci-fi. I call it Friday night. (laughs) That's Friday nights is picking up dinosaur dung. You know, traveling through time. That's how we roll. One of these times we're going to find Bill and Ted. The cast of Best Friends Whenever includes Landry Bender as Sid Ripley, Shelby's best friend, who is staying with Shelby's family while her parents are away in Peru. Lauren Taylor as Shelby Marcus, Sid's best friend. Gus Camp as Barry Eisenberg, an aspiring young scientist who lives in a Winnebago that is parked outside of Shelby's backyard uh, (laughs) that he also uses as his lab. I've actually watched the whole series, although it's been a while, and I don't recall them ever explaining why he lives in a Winnebago parked in their yard. Where else is a, a boy genius scientist going to live? I mean, <laughs> He's too smart to live with his parents, so <laughs> they banish him to someone else's backyard? Yeah, I guess. Or maybe their, that backyard is his parents' backyard and it butts up against Shelby's yeah, they backyard. they could indeed be neighbors, I suppose. Weird. Anyway, when they're visiting the Winnebago lab, uh, one of his lasers deflects off a cup of chemicals and gives Sid and Shelby the ability to travel through time. 
course it does. Ricky Garcia plays Naldo Montoya, Barry's best friend and lab assistant, and Barry calls him Ronaldo. Benjamin Cole Royer plays Brett Marcus, Shelby's brother, who is the twin brother of Chet, and Matthew Lewis Royer plays Chet Marcus, Shelby's brother, who is the twin brother of Brett. Oh, it's weird how that worked out. That seems very logical. And finally, in a supporting role, we have Madison Who as Marcy, who is a friend of Sid and Shelby, who is always relaxed. Wouldn't you like a character description if someone was making a, a show about your life and they described you as always relaxed? That would be nice. I haven't had that description since like high school. <laughs> yeah, I think you were pretty relaxed back then. Yeah, well, working at Best Buy once, they had a, a training person call in and pretend to be a customer, and I was the lucky one who answered the phone and went through all their questions and blah, 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 and then later, my manager came up and goes, hey, you just had a training call, and I'm like, I did? He goes, yep, don't worry, you aced it, but he did ask if you were on lithium or something, because you seemed way too relaxed. <laughs> Anyway, Madison Who is actually recognizable from another Disney Channel show uh, where she plays Frankie Wong on Bizardvark, which is a show that I like uh, far too much for a man my age. <laughs> yeah, but not for the wrong reasons. No, or... mostly it's because I wish I could have been a teenager at the rise of YouTube. Yes. And I wish I had a, would have had a best friend who would write spoof songs with me that we could record and put on YouTube and be YouTube famous. Yep, that would be very cool. Being a musician, I mean, you were, of course, in our bands back in the day, yeah. and you would record something, and then you would play it for your six friends. <laughs> there was nowhere yeah. to post it that millions of people from all around the world could possibly find and discover your genius. So Madison Who played Frankie Wong on Bizardvark, but in Best Friends Whenever, she plays Marcy, who is kind of the friend of Sid and Shelby. See, to me, she kind of stole the scenes when she was in them. For me, she got the biggest laughs. So. She absolutely did, which is probably why they went on to cast her as a lead. Although Disney Channel is known for doing that kind of thing. If you go back through time, you will see somebody will first start out as a guest star or reoccurring occasional character on a show. And then when that show ends, they will become the star and somebody else. It's kind of like a um, training system, I guess. Passing the torch. Something like that, where they, they start them in the minor leagues of being a, an add-on to the show, and then once they prove themselves that way, they get to be one of the one of the big stars. It's the ancient apprenticeship method, you know. That's what it is. Yes, you study under these people, and then they will train you, and then you will become the master, and you will train the next generation. <laughs> Today we're talking about best friends whenever in general, but we're also specifically talking about the episode A Time to Travel, which was the first episode in the series and kind of sets up the whole thing so it all makes sense, quote unquote. In A Time to Travel, Sid has just moved in with Shelby because her parents are on an archaeological dig in Peru for three years. <laughs> Well, that's convenient, isn't it? Because Disney shows have a tendency to last two to three years before the people on them, quote unquote, age out. Hmm. Coincidence? Mm. So clearly, clearly they set it up to be, they're like, well, most likely this show is going to end in two to three years. So why not get rid of the parents for just that long? Uh, it also reminds me of the fact that I really like a lot of the dialogue in Best Friends Whenever. I find it to be really quick and witty 
And there was a quote where Shelby said, I'm so excited. My best friend is living with me forever. And Sid said, well, just until my parents get back from their archaeological dig in Peru. And Shelby said, but that will be about three years unless they get entombed. Then it will be forever. (laughs) You can't get quality laughs like that on most Disney shows where they talk about, you know, someone's best friend's parents being entombed forever. Forever. Before they head out to school, Sid and Shelby visit their genius scientist friend, Barry, who inexplicably seems to live in a Winnebago in Shelby's backyard, as we mentioned, and also the Winnebago doubles as Barry's science lab. The two go to visit Barry because Shelby wants his help setting up an elaborate spectacle that she can use to ask a boy to a school dance. You know, I think that's definitely more of a YouTube age thing because I don't remember that in the pre-YouTube age when we were in school. I don't remember the term promposal being a thing no. or seeing any kind of elaborate. I mean, I remember once in a while somebody would get delivered flowers during class and that was the big deal. But now if you check out YouTube, there's full on song and dance numbers and jets and fireworks and magic tricks and anything you can think of for promposals and dance prosal. Actually, I don't even know if that's a term, dance posal, but I've seen <laughs> all kinds of ways of asking someone out basically has has to become a big spectacle in the age of everyone pointing a camera at their life at all times. So I guess somebody decided they had to up the production values of asking people out. I don't know. And those are some lucky girls because in our day, man, you were lucky if they came up and the guy's like, um, uh, hi, uh, you, you maybe want to go, go to like a dance? dance with me? Would you like to dance with me? And then they run away before she can even answer. Or maybe that was just me. Do you like me? Yes, no. Check one. (laughs) And that was still a thing in high school, people. Primitive texting. Exactly. So the girls are visiting their friend Barry in his Winnebago lab, and they're muckied around, as teenagers tend to do, and they accidentally trigger a laser that bounces off some chemicals and zaps Sid and Shelby, who are hugging each other in fear. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but the girls seem to be unhurt by the lab accident. Don't you wish you could be hit by stray lab lasers and be perfectly fine? Well, yes. Yes, I do. Now, to be fair, he had zapped uh, his buddy earlier, was zapping himself in the chest to try to grow hair or something, and all it did was burn a hole in his shirt. So He said, why do you want to grow chest hair? And he said, so I can shave it off. <laughs> Again, pithy dialogue. <laughs> yeah, the dialogue hits fast and quick. Uh, fast and quick, yes. Unfortunately, later, the school dance invitation goes horribly wrong, so ultimately Sid and Shelby discover their time travel ability by accidentally traveling back to the start of their day. They use their ability to attempt to change the terrible dance invitation, but they find out the next attempt actually ends up with a boy thinking Sid asked him to the dance. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. The two girls have a fight over this predicament and accidentally time travel to a future timeline where the two girls are no longer friends. Ultimately, the girls decide to time travel back and rig things so their friend Marcy gets to go to the school dance with the boy because their friendship is more important to them than any boy. Aww. (laughs) Hey, we didn't rehearse that. No. (laughs) Fantastic. I kind of like the storyline, though. It's a, you know, quote unquote, bros before hoes storyline, just with, with girls. 
Yeah, I think the the actual line is sisters before misters. That's it. Ding ding ding. Winner. Chicken dinner. Yes. What kind Ooh. of chicken dinner would you ask for? Uh, knowing me, it'd be like processed chicken patties. And- yes, with cheese on them and buns. Yes. Everything tastes better with cheese and buns. Oh, maybe a chicken pot pie. Those are pretty good. It'd be like here's here's a Sunday with chocolate. Put cheese and bun on it. Better. <laughs> okay, maybe not. A Sunday burger. <laughs> you know what's sad is they would probably sell a ton of those if someone invented a Sunday burger. Mm. It would become the uh, the latest and greatest. It patented right here, Sunday burger. As I mentioned before, one of the things I really like about this show is the great dialogue. And actually, I think the actors are pretty good as well. A lot of Disney shows or Nickelodeon shows or any shows that are for quote unquote young people, the acting is always very hit or miss. But this one seemed to really land two actors who knew what they're doing. They have comedy timing. They have great facial expressions. They bounce off each other really well. It's kind of unusual in something that's made for Disney Channel. It's even unusual for something that's, you know, a pilot episode. Well, that's also true. Uh, I didn't really know either one of these child actors before they were on the show. Um, As I said, I think they're both decent actors. And I know Landry Bender, who played Sid, went on to play Rocky in Fuller House, which of course is the sequel to Full House from back in the 80s. She also did some kind of animated series. She was doing a voice. Uh, She was in a TV miniseries and she was in some other things. Whereas her partner in Best Friends Whenever, Lauren Taylor, who played Shelby, is more of a mystery. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, she only has a single IMDb credit since Best Friends Whenever ended in 2016. And that credit is a failed, quote, TV pilot pitch presentation, unquote, in 2018. Huh. Doesn't that seem odd? I mean, she's really good on the show. Yeah, she seemed to be the one who was delivering all the uh, the joke lines, the punch lines, and they, they gave her more of that personality. Exactly. She kind of seemed to be leading the comedy, whereas her friends seemed to be kind of the quote-unquote straight man. Yes. They were definitely doing an odd couple kind of thing, which I bet half our audience doesn't know what the <laughs> odd couple is. Hey, it did have a revival and a remake not too long ago. That's true. Well, it was also a stage play. Um, basically an an odd couple is just a pairing of people who seem to not go together. Um, it was also a famous television show, I think in the seventies, sixties, something like that. I'm not sure how, how old the odd couple is, but it's a formula that's been used in many shows and movies where you take people with wildly different personalities and pair them together. Um, sometimes making them best friends, even uh, as they are in this show, or making them roommates who fight all the time, which was kind of the odd couple, the TV show, the original TV show's uh, main plot. And best friends, whenever, definitely falls into that category. But of course, there is the sci fi element, which is why we're talking about it here today. And it's fun. So it kind of fits our criteria fun sci fi. Um, Best Friends Whenever is not a show that you're going to hear the title mentioned when people are mentioning sci-fi per se. Um, We have a tendency to go out and look for things that are fun sci-fi as opposed to just being sci-fi. But as I was saying, Lauren Taylor kind of seemed to disappear and we both found the same page while doing research for the episode 
that seemed to imply that when the show ended, the cast did, as any cast does these days, and all went on social media to say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that our show is ending. I wish the best of luck to all my castmates, etc., etc. Except it said for Lauren Taylor, there was nothing. So that seemed odd to me. Yep, she hadn't posted and no one mentioned her. At least according to the, the one site that we found. You have to be careful, kids, because things on the internet are not necessarily true. Isn't that a shocking announcement? Very shocking. I want it tattooed on my forehead lately. <laughs> Just put it right on there. So we don't know exactly what happened to Lauren Taylor. If you're out there and you know what happened to her, what has become of her, is she still acting? Is she doing something else? Maybe give us a shout out at our socials or hit us up at our email, which is party at super sci-fi party.com and let us know and we'll read it on the next episode. Who knows? Maybe she just had enough. She was a child actor and said, forget it. Yeah. But then again, why would she do a pilot if she had had enough, right? Very true, very true. Maybe she wanted the money again. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I know a lot of, um, unfortunately, a lot of child stars, their parents rip them off and take all their money <laughs> because they don't control, most of them don't control their own finances when they're actually raking it in. And then when they come of age, they're like, okay, where's my Disney money, dad? And he's like, um, it's at the track in Anaheim. Oh, so the point of that whole rambling section was that I thought both the actors were really good. And actually, I thought their friend, Marcy uh, Madison Wu, was actually really good. And it kind of elevates the series from a lot of things that you'll see on Disney Channel. Plus, of course, the reason we're talking about it is the sci-fi element, which you don't really see in a lot of Disney or Nick shows. There have been a couple here and there. But it's not really a mainstay. There's not a lot of sci-fi when you're looking at children's programming, which is kind of a shame, really. Yeah, we got to get them hooked early. That's what I was just thinking is best friends whenever would actually be a good bridge if you had younger teenagers, especially younger girls, 13, 14. Uh, this might be a way to actually bridge them into sci-fi. A review in famous show business magazine Variety criticized best friends whenever because the main characters use their time travel powers to do things like change the outcome of a school test or redo asking a boy out to a school dance rather than traveling through time to do things like visit Abraham Lincoln or go to the future when we have flying cars. Uh, to me, the fact that they would, they would use it to change things on a school test or change asking out a boy they like makes it a lot more realistic, don't you think? Absolutely. I can't think that uh, any very young teenagers are all hyped up to go visit Abraham Lincoln. Well, even uh, a crusty old man like me doesn't think that'd be the greatest use of time travel. <laughs> exactly. I think it makes it a lot more realistic that they chose to use their time travel power to fix things in their immediate life. And their life is school tests and boys and dances. And of course, that's what they would use their power for. So I really don't understand the variety review Although it is a chance for us to kind of pivot a bit and compare and contrast this show to a movie about two time-traveling teenagers. And anyone who knows us or knows this show knows what I'm about to say. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, <laughs> which of course is about teenagers Bill and Ted, who are high schoolers in California. And they get the power to time travel 
And they do, in fact, go visit historical figures, but they do it because they're trying to do a history report that will keep one of them from being forced to go to military school. So they're kind of highly motivated to go visit, as they would call it, personages of historical significance. Whereas Sid and Shelby in Best Friends Whenever, they don't really have that qualification. So I think it's kind of unfair if you think, oh, Bill and Ted, they visited exciting historical figures. I'm like, yeah, they had to because they wanted to pass their class. All right. So Best Friends Whenever use their powers to help them out in school and stuff. Yep. Where Bill and Ted use their powers to help them out with school and stuff. Ding, ding, ding. Exactly. Hmm. Interesting. I would say Best Friends Whenever skews a little bit younger and a lot more female, but I consider them both to be decent shows about teenage time travel. And there is a pivotal moment in the episode we're speaking of, of Best Friends Whenever, when the two, Sid and Shelby, are touching and thinking about the future, and suddenly they end up in some kind of high-technology lab where they are both strapped to tables side by side, and it looks like someone's about to do horrible experiments on them. And this is kind of the overarching plot. You know, sometimes shows have, like, the adventure of the week, but then it all ties together to some kind of overarching plot of the season or even the series. And this was actually the overarching plot of the series. What did you think of that little segment, Scott? It was weirdly kind of dark for a Disney movie or TV show. It absolutely was. And that's what I thought was awesome about it. You're not expecting... They're talking about asking boys to the dance. Then all of a sudden, they accidentally time travel to a future where they're strapped to tables in a lab, a super futuristic looking lab, but they're still roughly the same age they are now. So, you know, it's not going to happen too far into the future. And it was kind of jarring. You're like, whoa, what? Like, oh, just a tiny bit of hard sci-fi out of nowhere. I kind of liked it. And knowing how it all worked out all the way to the end of the series, Um, It was actually a good storyline. It wasn't a super original storyline, but it was, like you said, harder than you would expect for a Disney Channel show about teenage girls, young teenage girls at that. I think Best Friends Whenever handles their overarching storyline or the storyline that continues along all season or all series, in the case of Best Friends Whenever, better than another show we talked about called The Flash. You and I often complain about how the series-long villain, or I should say the season-long villain, gets in the way of telling weekly stories that are just complete within themselves. They're always going on and on about the season-long villain, and like you said, they tend to lose a lot when Mm -hmm. they're trying to fight the season-long villain. Well, whenever a show like that, especially on that particular network, has a season-long villain... Yep, the heroes tend to lose a lot, and the villain gets everything they want. They completely succeed in whatever crazy plan they, they've hatched, and then it's up to the hero or hero team to somehow overcome it. Especially on The Flash. It seems like on The Flash, if you are the season-long villain, you can do no wrong until the last episode of the yep. season. Everything you try works. Every kind of scheme you have works. You are completely invincible to the team, no matter who they bring on to try to fight you. You cannot be defeated until the last episode of the season. It's kind of annoying. 
Yes. I much rather prefer to have a villain of the week because one, you get to see a lot more villains and you know, the TV shows and movies of today, we get to see the comic book heroes of our childhood come to life on screen and you would get to see a lot more of them if it wasn't just one villain for the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they usually manage to have two or three episodes that are about quote unquote villain of the week, but I it should be like 80% villain of the week in my opinion. Yeah, maybe give the season long villain a five, maybe 10 minutes if at all per episode. Or remember the original TV version of the Hulk. Yeah. They would have the reporter that is chasing him down who is starting to unravel the story of who is actually the Hulk. And he would come on at the last, what, two minutes of every episode? Yep. And then like once a season, he would get an episode about him. And it kind of went on that way. And he just made little appearances here and there to kind of tie the stories together. But it, the Hulk wasn't always trying to combat him or... You know, it wasn't a big struggle week to week to try to defeat him and the Hulk didn't lose over and over or however. You know, it's a completely different way of viewing the overarching storyline. And I have a theory as to why television writers do it. Ooh, tell us the theory, Todd. The theory is this. It's because television writers want to be film writers. Mm. They're like, well, we can basically tell a film plot through all our episodes of the season, then I'm essentially writing a film. (laughs) Oh my. Yeah. I really think that's why. I think it's because television writers want to be film writers. They don't want to do Villain of the Week. They don't want to do a little 24 minute or what, 56 minute, whatever an hour long show is. They want to do a big, huge, long rambling plot that could be a film. You know, my theory kind of plays off of that. And I came about it back when Netflix had a bunch of Marvel series coming out. And it always seemed like they tried to do the series long villain. And to me, it just kind of read as, well, I have this awesome story idea. It would only really fit into a movie, but we can make it into a show. I mean, we'll, we'll just stretch it out. It'll be okay. We'll just stretch it and stretch it and stretch it. Of course, I know people are going to jump in and they are probably correct and think that there is also the matter of the special effects budget. True. Like, well, if we only have to create digital effects for one or two villains, we're going to save so much money. (laughs) So we'll just have them lose to that villain over and over and over and over until we get to the last episode. Although Best Friends, whenever it doesn't suffer from that, they had the Disney money to do their special effects for. It's absolutely true. Also, did you notice in the episode we're speaking of today, there was a stunt where someone accidentally falls into a mop bucket that has wheels on it and shoots across the cafeteria and falls, I think, into lockers. Lockers or a table by lockers. I forget. It's an unusual show. You don't necessarily see a lot of full-on stunts on Disney Channel shows, and you also don't usually have a sci-fi theme. Um, there's a lot to be said for this little show. It's, um, I think it's worth checking out if you're a sci-fi fan, but especially if you have younger teenagers who you're trying to get into sci-fi, but maybe they're not quite ready for Star Wars or Star Trek yet. 
Best Friends Whenever is a tight little show about sci-fi. Um, the dialogue is quick, pithy, funny. Uh, the storylines are fairly decent for Disney Channel. And I recommend it, especially, as I said, if you have young kids or young teens that you're trying to get into sci-fi, this could be the gateway drug to Doctor Who. Ooh. You can get your kids understanding at least a little bit of time travel paradoxes and how they work. It's actually addressed right in the first episode. That's true. In a way, at least a small version of it. Um, I just wanted to do an episode on this show because I liked it and I thought it was unusual that Disney Channel had a fun little sci-fi show amongst their regular programming. So you can check out Best Friends Whenever, the complete two seasons that it was on, on Disney+, Plus, which of course is Disney's paid streaming service. Which I think currently goes for, what, eleven ninety nine a month? Yeah, it sounds right. Something like that. But you can check it out on Disney+. Plus. Let's hear it for best friends whenever. <laughs> Most unenthusiastic cheering ever. Well, we're cheering for ourselves. Huh? We would make terrible cheerleaders. <laughs> well, we hope you all had a fun time hanging out today with us on Super Sci-Fi Party. If you'd like to tell us what you think about Best Friends Whenever or any of the shows we talk about or anything at all, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube, or send us an email at party at com. We'd be more than happy to hear from you. Remember, you can also learn more about the show by visiting our website at com. If you enjoy Super Sci-Fi Party, please pass it along to your awesome sci-fi loving friends and family. We need your help to spread the word about fun science fiction. I'm serious. Right now, copy the link to Super Sci-Fi Party and paste it into a text to one of your cool sci-fi friends. Until next time for Super Sci-Fi Party, I'm Todd Kinsley. I'm Scott Kinsley. And in the immortal words of Doc Brown from Back to the Future, the future is what you make it, so make it a good one. Arrivederci, everyone. See ya. It was weirdly kind of charming.